Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? You really want to know? It might make you uncomfortable and even sound a little crazy. But if I tell you, you can't go back to sleep. Here's the truth. You're under attack. We all are. Our children, our families, our communities. The saddest part is, they're only successful because we refuse to pay attention. For centuries, even millennia, they've conspired in the shadows and worked behind the scenes and hidden the truth behind cascading waves of lies and distractions. Can we be victorious? The fusion cell. I'll be your warrior guide, retired Green Beret Master Sergeant Jeremy Brown, with former Police Sergeant Jen. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. But together, we'll find them. Now, wake up. Wake up. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fusion Cell. It's October 24th, 2023. We are getting closer to Halloween. Not that Jeremy cares, but I do. <laughs> well, I'm always dressed for Halloween. In fact, I'm wearing orange all the time. Oh, you're in the spirit, aren't you? All the time. That's right. I'm, I'm dressing up as an inmate this Halloween. It will be my third Halloween in a row using that same time costume because i'm an unoriginal bastard <laughs> uh stop laughing it's not funny okay <laughs> we laugh so that we don't cry yet. very true very true um you know the beginning of that intro it says you might be nervous or you might be scared or bothered i forget what you particularly say but i'm like i am scared and nervous and bothered <laughs> I'm thinking about the topic for tonight <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I just came across something, uh, Jeremy. So we were just talking about this, of course, before the show. And Jeremy said, you can prosecute someone for the theft of a bike, a bicycle. Okay. But if they give you a plea deal for a grand theft auto, you might just take it because you might get less time than the other crime. And this is the sentence that I just read. The counts that Scott Hall pled guilty to on Friday are different from the seven counts he originally faced. Now, who is Scott Hall? In case anyone's wondering, he is the first defendant of these quote unquote co-inspirators to have pled guilty for this election uh, trial. Number two was Sidney Powell. And then we've also got Kenneth Chesabro and now Jenna Ellis, who is crying in court today. Poor Jenna. <laughs> yeah. I, so it's a very complicated court process. I'm not going to call it a justice process because we're very far away from that. But I just wanted to tell you, Jeremy, you're absolutely right. And I don't know if you knew all these things before all these shenanigans happened with your case. But you're right again. <laughs> this guy gets charged with. Our... All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining <laughs> us tonight. Uh, join us again tomorrow. Where we'll be hopefully having Jen tell me I'm right again. <laughs> Starting um, to get tired of it. <laughs> no. no. And look, let me just say tonight, I, I told Jen I wanted the theme of tonight's uh, podcast to be election fraud wasn't Trump's or Trump world's idea. Okay. They didn't create it. I don't believe the election was fraudulent because of anything Sidney Powell did or said or anything Jenna Ellis did or said or Rudy Giuliani. No, I believe the election was fraudulent uh, when I first learned about elections, really. But on November 3rd, when I watched it with my own eyes, just like probably most of you, all were like, wait a minute, something seems very odd here. All of these disparate states all seem to be having vote count problems right around midnight and then not getting vote totals in and everything, right? So what you're seeing is the use of cowards, right? Because, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about plea deals and how I don't blame January 6ers who take plea deals because they don't understand 
what they've gotten themselves into. They don't understand the power of this government or the tactics that they use. However, I will not restrain myself from such criticism when it comes to Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, or any other dirtbag lawyer who knows exactly how the system works, who has used the system. In fact, Sidney Powell has even written a book titled License to Lie. Why? Because she worked in the DOJ, and she knows exactly how it works, and she watched them lie in the Enron Arthur Anderson case, wrote a book about it. It was kind of boring, but good on the technical aspect. It was, you know, it's a lawyer writing about lawyer stuff. <laughs> what are you going to do, right? Yeah. And I've read it here. And, of course, everyone loved Sidney Powell back when she talked about the Kraken, and she talked about seeing uh, uh, Anthony Weiner's laptop, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if she saw Anthony's Weiner Weiner, but, I mean, that, I mean, if she saw the laptop, I'm sure she did. But yet, nothing ever came of these great things, right? Yeah. I mean, hell, at one time, I was like, oh, we need Sidney Powell to be the attorney general. Because, like all the other frauds in this grand political scheme, they talk a good game until they're faced with prison rape. And then, all of a sudden, their foundation that was gonna save the republic what was it a save the american republic was her website where she was you know grifting i mean accepting donations and uh vowing to fight election fraud. that's funny she seems to want to plead awfully quick and claim that it was all a lie and that she engaged in crimes and that it wasn't legitimate it just all seems extremely suspicious but that off to the side I don't give a damn what Sidney Powell thinks she did, says she did, claims she did, or pleads to have doing. Her opinion had nothing to do with my observation and very likely Jen's observation. And so tonight, let's talk about how these cowards are being used by the system. Or maybe they're just part of the system. You know, maybe they were in on it the whole time. That is a line of theory, right? I have multiple working lines of theory here, right? Because that's what anybody that's analyzing any battlefield would always have multiple courses of action that your enemy could take. Uh, what's their mindset? What what could they possibly do if they're going to do this? This is what we should see. Or if they're going to do this, this is what we should see, right? Yeah. But all of that aside, they're nothing more than one more thing, much like Oh, none of the cases uh, were legitimate. Well, right. Well, none of the cases went to court. Right. They don't want you to know that. Right. And uh, and so, uh, but to get back to, to Jen's point, the system is not truthful. Okay. When the DOJ offers you a plea deal, the verbiage of that deal that will be for public consumption a lot of times has nothing to do with the actual crime. And like I, like Jen said, I gave her the example that you could have been charged with theft of a bicycle. Grand larceny, we'll call it, right? And they might have been threatening you with 10 years in prison, but they just want a conviction and a plea counts as a conviction. So what they offer you is a harsher crime, but a lesser punishment right? Because they just want you to plead guilty. So instead of giving you 10 years in prison for larceny of a bicycle, they get you to plead guilty to grand theft auto. But they reduce your sentence to one year in county jail or whatever, right? Just because you plead guilty to grand theft auto does not mean you engaged in grand theft auto. And so keep that in mind, right? So they're going to say, that these individuals pled guilty, and they're going to have them sign apology letters, and they're going to have to remember this. Um, they're just trying to stay out of jail because they're cowards, as indicated by Jenna Ellison in her tears. Oh, if I would have known. <laughs> That's funny because I watched an awful lot of hearings that Jenna Ellison was in 
And she kind of making it sound like she didn't actually believe any of the things that she said, that she was just relying on what other people said. That's hogwash. She's a coward that's saying whatever the DOJ told her to say so that she doesn't get overly lapped up by a 300-pound jack-o'-lantern-dressed individual in whatever female correction institute she would have ended up at, right? That, that's the reality of this. And so what I want to do tonight is talk about the fact that despite all the cowards conveniently forgetting that 2020 was not the most free and fair election, that it was totally corrupted on many levels and can easily be missed out by just the lightest research. In fact, we might even do a little bit of research tonight. Jen, I need to look up things um, because I know it's your goal to run this show much like the Joe Rogan experience, right, where we can just pull up stuff out of thin air using Al Gore's famous Internet uh, and provide the American people with wisdom with the, with the click of a hand, because see, we we utilize, we don't utilize artificial intelligence. No, 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 no. We are the, we we utilize actual intelligence, right? It is AI, actual intelligence, not artificial. It's actually in Jen's head, and so we're going to remind everybody of just how fraudulent the election was. And we're going to do it in just this one little hour. In fact, now we only have 45 minutes because I've been going on and on. But we're going to remind everyone just how easy it is for even the dumbest person to see if they just open their eyes and use the math. But then again, big brother, big brother doesn't want us to know math, right? This is why big brother wants us to admit to ourselves, to sign a plea agreement, admitting that two plus two equals five. Because, see, if we just use a little bit of math, we might see that it doesn't matter who votes. It only matters who counts the vote. And so tonight, I'm going to be utilizing the book, The Big Fraud, written by Congressman Troy Nell from the 22nd District of Texas. Uh, he actually sent me this book in jail with a very... Uh, expensive uh, bookmark from the United States taxpayers uh, with a with a handwritten note on it. But in his book, he does a great job, and I definitely recommend you reading The Big Fraud, even though he seems to have given up on the election integrity uh, the night of January 6th. Um, but read, because he goes through uh, the big key states, and he lays out a lot of details, but I'm only going to touch on one I picked out one common metric that went across all of the key states. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about those. Uh, but Jen, what do you have to say for yourself after that 15 minute rant? <laughs> well, something that I've, I've noticed with this justice system, that's very far away from actual justice. And I think that's what everybody needs to understand is that they're playing a game here. You have one minute left and they're playing a game with people's lives. Just like, they did with Jeremy. Okay. So if you're not going to plead guilty, if you're not going to plead, well, I'm going to put a felony on you. Now I'm going to add another charge. Now I'm going to add this. So you better do it. And what they did in this case in Georgia is they front loaded all of these uh, charges very heavily. And so then they scaled back. But any way you look at it, it's a game with the charges. And just like Jeremy said, uh, pleading to, is a conviction and you can bet your bottom dollar that they're, that's what their resume says at the end of the day, when they're trying to get promoted or trying to go somewhere, they said, I've had this many convictions, this many felonies, this many mis misdemeanors. So that's what it looks like. That's the game. Oh, that's yeah. being played it's, just, here. It's, how they, it's just how they move up the ladder. It's all a numbers game. And look, it's called charge stacking. And it's so that they can stand in court and say, your honor. Thank you uh, for using Securus. Goodbye. The caller has hung up. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll see what he has to say there, but this is one of the the lies, one of the pieces of deception that we have to first understand and recognize that it exists 
And then what are we going to do to change it? Because this is not Lady Justice, blind, scales, and a sword. This is what we perceive or believed our American justice system to be. This is why a lot of these uh, January 6th defendants at the beginning willingly talked to the FBI. It's uh, the main investigative agency, federal investigative agency, a fellow American. And they just want the truth, right? Doesn't work like that anymore, if it ever did. Incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securist. You may start the conversation now. All right. Can you hear me? Yes. That lady's really rude. What were you saying? Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is charge stacking is so that the prosecutor can stand in court and say, your honor, so-and-so is facing serious time. And they want to be able to say to you, you're facing serious time. I mean, it's a negotiation. It's a poker game. All right. Uh, And that's exactly what they, what they want to do. Now, they want to do that because they want to build up their own leverage. Okay, they want to they want to stack fifty years worth of charges on you so they can say, you know, you're facing fifty years, but uh, if we give you five years, you just do this, that, or that. In my case, now remember, the DOJ to this day is still going to deny, even though I have the letter of my attorney begging me to take their non plea offer, right? They're going to say and deny that they never offered me a plea. But, but this, this is how the conversation basically went. You know, uh, we're not offering you a plea deal. But if your client were to hypothetically uh, plead to these two gun charges of which they knew I was not going to fight, right, because I wanted this Second Amendment challenge that we're taking to the 11th Supreme Court or 11th Circuit Court, uh, if he just pleads guilty to those things, then we're going to make these much more serious charges, or we're just going to dismiss those. And and he might even get time served, right? This this was their plea offer to me. Why? Because see, they knew I was going to take them to trial, and they knew that their evidence was BS, and they wanted it to go away, which is why they did a little reversal. See, normally, like we talked about, they want to get a more serious charge on the book because cha-ching, they get a bigger bonus, maybe they get a nicer, uh, uh, maybe they get more trips on Christopher Ray's private jet. Who knows, right? But they, most plea deals want you to charge, you know, plead to something higher for lesser time, right? So they get more credit. In uh, the case of the Georgia thing, now obviously they're basically putting the original charges out there to sound really bad, but now look at the charges that they're pleading to, like misdemeanor this or that. You know, it, it, it sounds bad, but it doesn't sound nearly as bad. This is all just a word game, right? It's all, it just want, they just want to be able to paint the narrative with your I'm guilty plea, even though you're not necessarily saying that you're guilty of those things. You're just saying, please don't put me in jail for a long time, okay? And so in my case, I wanted to make the things that I was going to take to trial and make them prove to go away. And so they offered me my freedom. Of course, I turned it down because unlike Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, I'm not a coward. Okay. I actually believe in what I say. And I believe that the truth should be stood up for no matter what the consequences are. And there's no way in hell they're ever going to get me to plead to anything other than parading and I did jaywalk on January 6th. Sorry, guys. I'll plead to those two things. That's it. But everything else, no, I'm not doing it. So keep that in mind. These plea agreements are nothing but, but propaganda. They're PR. And they're meant to give the headline that, look, we've got Trump's lawyers admitting that there was no electric fault. Well, that's not what they're admitting to. But that's what the headline will say. And it won't matter because as part of their plea agreement, I guarantee you there's an NDA attached 
And so they won't be able to talk about, very likely, the details of the inner workings of their plea, plea deals. And so, again, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all a big fraud. And it's meant to do cowards like Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis and the other two. Nobody knows who the hell they are, okay? So we're not going to even worry about them. So, But I want to remind everybody tonight that we don't think the election was rigged because of Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis. We think the election is rigged because the election was rigged. They're always rigged by the establishment in order to get people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell in there so that nothing ever changes and they can continue to give hundreds of billions of dollars away to foreign countries. That's right. So, and, and again, I know I say this many times, but we need election integrity and the people that are in office are not going to work on that because it behooves them to leave the system the way it is. So this, now I'm right. turning back to the rigged system yeah. is how they got their job. <laughs> ding, That's, ding, right. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. And so when we're confused as to why these people aren't working for us or seemingly shutting their ears off and closing their eyes when the people are asking and demanding things, you know why. One, you're not paying them. Technically you are, but you're not paying them all the extra. Okay. There's a reason why they have millions and billions of dollars over here. And secondly, that goes hand in hand with them getting elected has nothing to do with you. So that's where we're at in this country. So it takes us again back to an economic slowdown is the only way to get their attention because it's the only thing that's actually going to hit their pocketbook. It's the only thing that's going to work. Well, that's right. folks. The, the, look, the reason why, uh, one of the ways we know that election, that voting is actually not legitimate is because uh, they don't care about the voters, right? I mean, they care about donors. They care about right. TV advertising to create this political theater uh, so that can run polls that show everything is 51-49. And we talk about this all the time, right? Every election is always split down the middle, oddly enough, which is funny because as we get into these numbers, you're going to actually see how not split down the middle our country is, right? Um, and so, in fact, let's Let's just go ahead and get into some of the examples. And, and again, we must not forget that uh, they admitted to rigging the election in the Time Magazine article, okay? They just called it fortifying and protecting the election, all right? But then they went in in very explicit detail into how exactly they did it, and they actually told the truth. They, they totally admitted to the crime. They just didn't call it election meddling they called it election fortifying because you know we had to protect the election from the likes of the people um but so i want to point out some key things uh from uh, congressman nell's book the big fraud uh in chapter eight is basically uh all the swings the big key swing states and he he does a great job of tying biden's numbers to Obama's numbers in 2008 and 2012, because see, at that time, Obama had smashed a uh, popular vote record, right? But there were still odd things because the Democrat technique, uh, and this is why if you look at an electoral map by district and, and show you which uh, election precincts went red and which went blue, the entire country is red except for the city, right? And, mm -hmm. and so you're going to see that here as we go through here because it's the city contained uh, in certain counties, right? And so the statistics in this book are broke down a lot by the counties. But remember, you vote based on precincts. So that's the, that's the real, if you really wanted to get a mosaic picture of what the election really looks like, look at the voting precincts because that's how the votes are tallied and they're rolled up from the individual precinct up to the larger area, and then they extrapolate those into counties because, you know, certain uh, voting districts, like, for example, 
uh, Florida's 14th congressional district uh, crosses over multiple counties, right? So, you know, you could, you could look at the election of Democrat Kathy Castor, and you wouldn't just be able to count Hillsborough votes. Even my election for Florida State House of Representatives was a split district where uh, about uh, a two-thirds of it was in Pinellas and one-third of it was in Hillsborough. So if you were to look at a county basis, it's not really the most accurate. The most accurate way to look at these is by preaching, but Congressman Nels has broken it down by county, and so that's the way I'm going to point to these key metrics. And, and he has lots of data in here that we're not going to cover. I just picked out this one metric because he used it uh, in all of the key things. Um, and so he starts out by show, talking about how Obama set the record with the popular vote with 69.5 million, right? Like he, he smashed the record. But even with that, he only won in 2008, he only won 875 counties out of all the counties in the United States, which roughly make up 28% of the total number of counties in America. And in 2012, Obama, with his 69.5 million votes, a record at the time, only won 689 counties, which is only 22%. But Biden, who smashed Obama's total, right, with 81 million votes, we're told, Biden only won 509 counties which makes up 16.7% of the total U.S. county. So there is going to point us in the direction of the strategy that Congressman Nels point out. Now, there's multiple different strategies that they use, but the key strategy that we're going to focus on, just to be able to give those that believe it was the most premium fair election possible, something to look at is the idea that massive amounts of votes were entered into small areas, small selected precincts where you see massive number deviation in those precincts where everything else is kind of normal, right? Yeah. These are key indicators of fraudulent votes. And so let's first look at Pennsylvania, right? And he lays out that his increase over Obama to win Pennsylvania, this is Biden, Biden's increase over Obama to win Pennsylvania is even more outstanding because he actually had fewer votes than Obama in 43 of 67 counties in Pennsylvania. Okay, so that's almost, you know, almost three quarters of the counties. He had fewer votes than Obama. He wound up with more votes than Obama because of why? Because of five counties, Chester County, where he has 35% more than Obama. In Cumberland County, 37% more. Delaware, 21% more. And Montgomery, 28% more. In just five counties, oh, in Philadelphia County, it was only 5% more than Obama. But those Five counties alone accounted for 198,000 more votes than Obama. So see, again, it's clear that Biden wasn't a big fan amongst the Democrats because in every other county, his represent his percentage of the Democrat vote was actually less than Obama. It was only in these five counties where you see these massive double-digit spikes. But it gets worse, right? A Pennsylvania, a Pennsylvania voting group audit the vote, uh, PA.com actually did an analysis of the voter rolls in Pennsylvania. And as of November 23rd, two weeks after the election, there were 2.26 million inactive voters, except for 558,000 of those inactive voters actually voted in 2020. But see, why wasn't their status then changed to active if they voted? Seems kind of odd. And that of those, 2,223 were over the age of 90. Man, them old crusty <laughs> folks got their walkers and they're like, I gotta vote. We gotta vote for one of our own, True. even though Trump was the same age, basically. True patriots. All right, so that was in Pennsylvania, five counties. Now, let's move to Michigan. Same thing, all right? Biden lost votes compared to Obama in 65 of Michigan's 83 counties. 
Now we're getting a little bit closer to like 80% of the county. He has fewer votes than Obama. But once again, we see key counties where he had massive numbers over Obama. In Oakland, 16% over Obama. In Ottawa, 25%. In Kent, 25%. And in Wachanaw, 20%. Again, accounting for 138,000 votes. This is an oddity. So when we come back, uh, we'll pick up with Wisconsin. And the point is that math helps us every single time whenever we're counting somewhere. When we're counting something, we should use math and trends. I'm confused already. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the caller has hung up. So I just wanted to put this out there because I'm not sure if I'm going to have a chance. Uh, something came out October 14th. They said, they said, okay, I'm looking at different articles right now that are saying the same thing, but it came across on October 14th that I saw, okay? Department of Defense consultant says that the United States Space Force has proof that the 2020 election was stolen, but that the information was withheld in order to avoid the outbreak of civil war. I read further, why would it be Space Force? How would they have the knowledge, resources? Well, apparently they have access to all the satellite systems, all the satellite systems, the United States. Um, and that is where they see this data being transferred. Take that what you will. I'll post some of the articles that I'm looking at right now, too, so you can do some further. An incarcerated Research individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right. Got me? Yes. All right. Because I figure I'm probably putting you guys all to sleep, we're going to zip through these last three few states. Uh, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and Texas, because it's really all the same thing, right? The idea is that Biden lost votes in massive numbers of counties compared to Obama, except in very tiny numbers of counties, he had massive vote swings. So in Wisconsin, 67 of the 72 counties, Biden had fewer votes than Obama. But in these two counties, Dane, 28% more than Obama. And in uh, Waukesha, 22%. So that's the Wisconsin. Now, let's zip to Georgia. Ah, Georgia. But we all know that Georgia's in the South and that there's much more support for Obama in the South, in Georgia, because there's more black voters, right? So therefore, Biden shouldn't be anywhere near Obama's numbers in Georgia because the black vote definitely got out for Obama. And we all know that Joe Biden's just an old, rich, white racist, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, contraire, mo frere. In Cobb County, 57% over Obama. That's right. In DeKalb County, 21%. In Douglas County, 54%. In Fayette County, 63%. In Forsyth County, Biden had 174% more votes than Obama. Okay. The previous record holder of votes. In Fulton, a mere 40%. In Gwinnett, 88% more than Obama. And in Henry County, 81%. So you see, a state where Obama should have definitely outperformed the old rich racist white guy because there's way more black voters as a overall ratio of the population in Georgia than, say, Michigan or Wisconsin. Oddly, the numbers in support of Biden are much greater which means greater numbers, greater default. Same thing in Arizona, right? Arizona only has 15 counties, but it was five counties. Uh, Cocachino, 65% Biden over Obama. Maricopa, 92%. Pima, 59%. P Pinal, 
75%, and Yuma, 82%. Again, the strategy is jump all the votes in small number of precincts. And again, this was confirmed by the video uh, uh, documentary by Dinesha Souza's 2,000 mules, right? We see how they did it. Just round up all the mail-in ballots and shove them in the thing. Now, Texas... Nobody wants to look at Texas. Why? Because Trump won Texas, right? So nobody's going to say, well, now, clearly there's no voter fraud in Texas because Trump won. Yay. Let's not look at it. But guess what? Um, the Congressman Nails was from Texas. He did look at it. And uh, here's a head scratcher, folks. Uh, listen to these numbers. Collin County, 113% Biden got more votes, more votes than Obama. In Denton, 108%. In Fort Bend County, 99%. In Hayes County, 109%. Montgomery, 104%. And in Williamson, 114%. So I just literally named off six counties. And of the six, five of them, we had over 100% more than Obama, the previous vote record holder. So, again, this is just one metric to indicate that there was fraud. We didn't talk about bellwether counties, bellwether states. We didn't talk about any of that. We didn't look at actual voter registration within the precinct, although you could. But let's look at some other numbers. And so, Jen, get your your typing fingers ready, okay? Because I want you to look up how many Americans are in America. You got it? Uh, It broke it down by, uh, oh, here we go, total population. 331.4 million, 2020. Okay, 331, let's just say 331 million. Okay, now, I... Type and look up how many, look, look up the vote totals from 2020. The total of Biden, Trump, and other. And I don't, uh, I think Kanye had some votes, like three or five of them. I don't know. Okay. 2020 election by the numbers. And can everybody see these numbers on the screen? I have no idea. I'm just on the phone. Oh, that's a good idea. Let me do that so I'm not boring you. Second. Okay, it says Biden won a little over 81 million of the votes, so 51% of the votes. He's a. Yeah, I'm looking for raw vote totals, number of Americans that are claimed to have voted total. Okay. Well, Biden says. Biden, Trump, and others. I got Biden for 81,283,098. Are you writing this down? Oh, no. It doesn't, <laughs> Probably it doesn't have the total listed there. Um, uh, or how many voted total? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, for all the candidates. It says more than 159 million. So 159 million. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, I'm just going to do a little quick math. All right. That's a 331 million. Now, of course, who knows what year that was, but we're just using some pretty round figures here. Right. So that leaves 172 million people that did not vote. Okay. Jen, real quick, can you look and see how many Americans are between the age of zero and 18? How many Americans between the age of zero? Childstats.gov. Oh, that took me to a. Let's see. Looks like 281 million, if I'm reading that correctly. 200. Wait. That can't be right. No, male and female under five years, under. It's going to see. 18 years and over. Nope.
Well, this might help. Population under 18 declined in the last decade. Okay, in 2020, the U.S. Census Bureau counted 331 million people living in the United States. More than 258 million were adults 18 years or older. Okay, 258 million, right? Right? Is that what it says? 258 million? Yeah, we're adults. Okay, so that's the, those are people that actually could vote if they were to be registered, okay? All right, but see, now let's look and see how many Americans are in prison. Let's see here. We're searching brave here, by the way. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> there are 1.9 well, million people in prison. Right, 1.9. So almost 2 million people that are in prison. Okay, they're not voting. All right. So we're down to 257 million. How many Americans have felonies? These would be people that are not in prison but also can't vote because they're felons. Does about 19 million. Oh, 19 million. All right, so we're going to subtract 19 from there. And then let me give All you, right. let me throw another wrench in your plan. Uh, Cayman 10 saying the census also shows non-citizens in the count. Okay, but look, we're trying to help out the globalists that are <laughs> trying to convince us of the most free and fair elections. So let's Fudge everything for their benefit. It's okay. still going to be totally ridiculous, right? All right, now, see if you can look up registered voters in 2020. Let's see. It says 154.6 million turned out for the presidential election in 2020. More voters turned out for the largest increase no i want to know how many are registered to vote. okay not how many actually voted mm, let's see the first thing i'm seeing is it says fact check 133 million registered voters argument for the 2020 election recirculates <laughs> hey just also so you know cayman tends says the numbers of registered voters changed on november 5th just FYI. Of course they did. Tidbit right there. Okay. Um, so during the 2020 U.S. presidential election, there were 158 million ballots cast out of 168 million registered voters. 168 million registered voters. And we're told 158,000 of them voted. Now, let me just do a little quick calculation. That means that voter turnout was 94% across the country. Ladies and gentlemen, that's absurd. That's completely absurd. 168 million registered voters total, meaning they could have registered when they got their driver's license and never voted at all. Why? Because the, the, Elections boards and boards of elections keep inactive voter rolls. In that one example in Pennsylvania, 2.2 inactive registered voters. So we could subtract 2 million off that 168 million. Now we're down to 166. And yet we're told that 158 million voted, which would be, well, if we were to subtract that 2 million in Pennsylvania, I mean, Let's just say, hypothetically, half of the states has almost as many. Uh, I mean, look, all we have to do is a little bit of math. Hopefully, I'm not boring everybody too much. But what I'm trying to show you is illustrating that they don't expect you to ever look at the numbers, which is why they can say with certainty that it was the freest and fairest election possible. We know through all of our adult life, that we've never, ever heard of a, such a thing as 94% voter turnout. But that's what the numbers indicate. Although, 
I did used to hear about elections in Iraq that were like 99% turnout. I think the Soviet Union was, I mean, I mean, Soviets were very, very motivated to vote for whoever was running for the party position because if they didn't, they kind of get murdered, right? So I think Soviet elections were like 100%. I mean, I'm pretty sure Venezuela's next election is going to be like 105% voter turnout. <laughs> this is the absurdity. But see, any adult American that's ever voted knows that in American elections, in fact, it's, a, it's literally like sad. They talk about how few people actually either register to vote, much less show up to vote. And that voter turnout is usually in the low 50% range or 40% range. And yet we're to believe that an election that was so free and fair, almost everybody voted. Everybody. Everybody said, this time, it's for real. I'm going to vote. <laughs> or maybe they just manufactured a bunch of fake mail-in ballots and sent them to a very small handful of counties a very, very small handful of states you have and one they rig the election. Why? Because it doesn't matter who votes. It only matters who counts to vote. And so don't be fooled by the shenanigans of the political theater that you see unfolding ahead of you by the lies of the media saying, oh, none of these court cases ever amounted to anything. None of them were ever heard. Okay. Almost none of these court cases ever saw the light of day, much less were able to ever present evidence in front of a court or a jury or a judge or anything like that. They're just simply lying to us because we love the way they lie to us, and then we pretend to believe them. Absolutely. That's where we're at. So let me call back, and then uh, we can close out. Okay. The caller has hung up. I wanted to read to you a little bit more on this, uh, what we were talking about on the last break. A self-declared Defense Department consultant said last week that the United States Space Force has proof that the 2020 election was stolen, but the information was withheld in order to avoid the outbreak of civil war. And then Manasu is telling us, uh, just in here, they can, Space Force controls all the satellites in the U.S., Okay. Jan Halper Hayes, who claimed to sit on an unspecified Pentagon task force, told a British television show that former President Donald Trump and his legal team have all the evidence needed to expose the truth and bring a quick end to the Biden administration's weaponized prosecution of the GOP frontrunner. Think about the fact that our military, our Department of Defense Space Force, if you think that they don't have the actual real results from the election, then you're fooling yourself, Halper Hayes said during an appearance on Breakfast with Stephen and Ellie. Helper Hayes claimed that the type of evidence presumably could be proven in court as he tries to fend off these legal assaults. An incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. And now that I'm reading this article, private, show it to you right now. And maybe monitored. If you Actually recognize her. Call, please hang up and follow and I think played her briefly a few episodes ago. A private number to accept this free call press. One, to refuse this free call. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right, got me? Yes. All right, so in closing, I want to say definitely pick up Congressman Nell's book. He does an excellent job in the, in the uh, uh, preceding chapters of talking about the support the election fraud, dating all the way back to you know our first elections and how it's always gone on, just like I've always told you. Elections are always rigged. They're just blamed on the other party, right? I mean, as long as everybody is blaming everybody, if everybody's a Nazi, then nobody's a Nazi, right? And so uh, we see this all the time. And and I know it was probably a, an exercise in suffering to listen to me ramble on about uh, these numbers, but it's important to know how easily their lives come crumbling down when you simply apply just the tiniest amount of math and logic. And and I know I talk about climate, the climate crisis, right? It's a pet, uh, it's a pet topic of mine because I ran against Kathy Castor, and you know she 
the chair of the Climate Crisis Subcommittee, but of course her husband's an environmental lawyer. I'm sure he's not making any extra money from this whole climate crisis stuff. But uh, one of those things that I found during my campaign was a USGS, United States Geological Survey chart, showing the global breakdown of water on the planet Earth. Right, and so the chart, uh, which was very easy to find, and it's actually a pretty cool looking chart, and it gives a lot of graphic repre- representations about uh, water and things like that. But it breaks it down percentage wise, and you'll be shocked to know that I think about ninety eight percent or ninety nine percent of the water is already in the ocean, and it's less than I think a, 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 a decimal point of water is frozen in the ice caps or the ice shelves or any of those things. And then you can look on there and it will show you the surface area, right? And the, the uh, cubic miles, how many cubic miles of water there is uh, on the Earth's surface, right? And so if you look at the point zero whatever percent of water that is ice, okay, in the icebergs, ice caps, ice shelves, and then all the rest of the water, which is like 98% or whatever, and then you look at the surface area of the ocean, and you did just a tiny bit of math and said, gee, Jeremy, I wonder how much water it would take to raise the surface of the Earth's ocean one centimeter. There's not that much water left out of the 98 percent, right? Mm-hmm. So when I go to uh, these political events when I ran for Congress and I listen to Democrats, uh, clearly very lonely women who have nothing else better to do at Monday on at 9 a.m. when all the Republicans are out at their jobs working, she's standing up there saying, he's going to tear down the Gandhi Bridge and rebuild it 20 feet higher because of sea level rise, that's not mathematically possible. It's like overpopulation. My favorite math problem. Shove all the people in the world inside the boundaries of the state of Texas, and they'll each have 972 square feet all to themselves, even the little babies that the Democrats let live, which aren't very many. But that's how many square foot if every person in the world was shoved into Texas. Texas is just one of 50 states and one of over 200 countries in the world. And yet we're told that the earth doesn't have enough oranges or bananas or green beans to sustain us, which is all a complete fabrication. And it's a lie. It can be easily disproven by simple math. And so that's why I drag y'all kicking and screaming through this tirade of numbers. Because all you have to do is look at numbers to see that they're lying to you. And elections are no different. Yeah, thank you for doing all those numbers because, you know. But (laughs) I have one question for you. I'm sure you remember this. I was just talking about it while you were offline. Um, There's a little rumor floating around that space force has the intelligence because they control all the satellites uh, regarding the United States um, that they, they can see where this data is going. Um, What's going on with that? That's just being suppressed. It's not coming out. I mean, it came out enough for there to be a couple articles on it, but where do you, do you see anything happening with that? Uh, no, I don't see anything <laughs> happening with anything because the people that are investigating it are the people that did it. Uh, I mean, literally, yeah. the Fox is never going to report on who got into the hen house. He just doesn't know. The cameras were broken. Uh, actually, um, the power was out. Uh, I don't know. There were footprints, but they got covered up. Maybe it rained. I mean, You can't put the criminals in charge of the investigation, all right? This is why everyone was going to demand a 10-day look at the election, this and that. And then January 6th happened. A couple of people, 
uh, went into the Capitol, and now all of a sudden, all of those Republicans that were going to stand up and 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 to be honest, I was very disappointed. Even Rand Paul was who is somebody that normally I'm like, yeah, he's not that bad, right? Yeah. But he didn't even change his mind based on what? Based on the fact that there was a protest outside that clearly uh, the Capitol Police couldn't control because uh, obviously they weren't told that. It was actually probably members of the Department of Defense and, and all the intelligence agencies and the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, running a bunch of rabble-rousers out there. Yeah. Why all of a sudden, just because they had to take like a two-hour break, uh, probably go visit their girlfriends and take a couple of hits of cocaine, according to that one congressman who was in the wheelchair who's no longer in Congress, um, mm-hmm. They got to take a break. They come back, and now all of a sudden they're not concerned about the election fraud anymore. It's almost like uh, the staged event of January 6th was the perfect excuse to say, "Move, please move along. There's nothing to see here, right?" It's like it's like the meme of uh, you know the naked gun, right, where he's waving. He's like, "Please disperse. There's nothing to see here." And the building in the back is up and on fire, right? This yeah. is exactly what happened, and it, it, it's a key indicator. Members of Congress are totally compromised as well, because if you believe at noon there was election fraud or irregularities that at least needed to be looked into and investigated, why would simply taking a break because of an out-of-control protest all of a sudden change your mind that now the election doesn't need to be looked at? It's not logical, and yet this is what happened. And then you see the narrative of the 2020 election. Oh, uh, yeah, the 2020 election was a mandate against those that are the election deniers. No, it was an exercise in a rigged election system that literally just prevented those people accusing you of rigging the election from winning. I mean, these things are completely obvious, people. I mean... Not one single election denier was elected. That seems kind of odd, right? And if he was elected, he, he must have changed the tune because I haven't heard much about election integrity coming out of this Republican-controlled House of Representatives. So it's all a big, huge game. And what I told the Oath Keepers in November and what I've told people all along is that the election was not them gaining power. Election was their demonstration of their power, right? They blatantly did it right in front of all of our eyes. And like a dog who just pooped on the carpet, they're rubbing our nose in it. This is, I mean, it's the ultimate gaslighting. Uh, security videos of them running ballots through the machine and then saying, no, we weren't running ballots through the machine. Uh, uh, Mail-in ballots with no creases. No, no, those are those are totally legitimate. Mail-in ballots that were filled out on a computer, not with a pen, but yet signed. Yeah, ballot signed with Mickey Mouse. I mean, no matter what it is, well, none of it rose to the level of enough fraud to have changed the results. How do you know? Nobody looked into it except for American people out there doing all this work. So. Just keep in mind, the 2020 election was not how they gained power. They already had the power. That's how they rigged the system. Remember, it wasn't Biden's DOJ and FBI and Department of Defense that oversaw the planning and execution of January 6th. It was the establishment DOJ, Department of Defense, intelligence community. It was Trump's DOJ, if you really want to get down to brass tacks. See, the administrative state was already in control of everything, already compromised, and all 2020 was was thumbing their nose at us so that they can laugh at us out loud and then round us all up. As my search warrant says, as something to be seen was any evidence that he questioned the election. That's actually it's on my search warrant. Really? That's part of probable cause of a crime is that I question the election? Hey, newsflash, I was at January 6th going security. 
I wasn't even there rallying. Did I think the election was stolen? Of course I did. But that's not why I was there. So why would probable cause in my search warrant be any evidence that I questioned the election? Because when you have a tyrannical power in charge, you're not allowed this is why you have the Department of Homeland Security folks saying, hey, we need to turn the same apparatus that we use to prevent nuclear proliferation and terrorism after 9-11 against disinformation and disinformation against who? Those that deny science. Like somebody like Jeremy Brown who might say, wait a minute, all the water is already in the ocean. There can't be sea level rise unless we're talking about sea level rise caused by the shifting of the poles, but the water will go up in some areas and go down in others, right? I mean, water is fluid, so if water goes up in Florida, shouldn't it also go up in Maine? And that somehow it doesn't. Apparently it goes down into Panama now, but I digress. My point is they're lying. They're always lying. The election was rigged, but that's not how they gained the power. That was just their show of force. That was their shot across the bow and their warning that they're coming for us and there's nothing that we can do about it. So this really lends us into our next topic for the next couple of days, I'd say. Do you want to talk about that briefly before we close out? Uh, are you talking about tomorrow's discussion of... The Federalist Papers. Exactly. And what Alexander Hamilton thought the true dangers of the federal government were and what those counterbalancing powers might be? Yes. That sounds familiar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. talk about that because, see, there is a reason, and I, and I love the way Jesse Kelly always says this very plain. Says, Look, if you really want to listen to somebody who gets it, I'm, I'm going to give Jesse Kelly a plug. I love that you all listen, but yeah, you know, he gets three hours and he can go in way more detail. He talks about a lot of history, but he really gets it. He doesn't get it to the full extent because, you know, he was just an infantry Marine, right? So, but he explains it very well. And the way he explains their desire for gun control is they want to take our guns because they want to hurt us. And he's exactly right. This is what the tyrant wants. They want you to believe you don't need guns because I'm going to protect you, okay? But that's really just the wolf wearing grandma's you have one minute left. Uh, nightgown saying, come in, uh, little red riding hood. I've, had, I've made you something nice to eat, right? Yeah. Uh, once they take the guns, then you can't stop them from hurting you. And that's ultimately what tyrant, tyrannical authoritarian governments always do. And that's why they're pushing so hard to restrict and take away our right to form our own levels of defense against the balancing powers. And we will talk about, not just me, some conspiracy theorists saying it, but a founding father, Alexander Hamilton, in Federalist 26 through 29, where he explains it in detail. Awesome. That sounds good. Thank you for being here, Jeremy. All right. Well, thanks for bearing uh, with my uh, uh, walk through numbers. <laughs> no problem. We needed it. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye. It was like a cold shower. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just, okay. So yeah, it's a couple nights from now. I know that there are some rumblings about how police state went because as i told you last night it premiered on the 23rd so so far i've seen great reviews i'm going to be seeing that wednesday night i believe and so we will still do the podcast uh we're going to tape it early and then i'll put it out there at night so that'll all work out um, anything else that's going on i think on thursday we'll be doing a, a twitter space with the Gateway Pundit, I believe. Uh, so that's where we'll be. But of course, we'll be routing it through here as well. And I, I think that's all it for housekeeping stuff. Uh, I want to just read very quickly here what Vaughn said, because it's absolutely important. 
She says, we know the election process is corrupt, but despite our complaining, we pretend it isn't. We don't talk about what will happen following another presidential election that people don't trust. Even if Trump was allowed to win, it would be a hollow and meaningless victory. Democrats were saying that our elections and machines couldn't be trusted even before the 2020 election. Will anyone trust the outcome in 2024? And I'm saying we've set ourselves up for trouble in 24 by not fixing the election system. And she says, yes, we have. No one's really talking about what we might expect to follow. We just keep pretending as if the elections still work. It makes no sense to me. Vote harder. I 100% agree with you, Voices of Nebraska. And obviously it's pretty late in the game now, isn't it? Would it be possible even to fix our election integrity system before 2024? Of course not with all the chaos that's going on, everything that's distracting us from matters at home. The matter at the top of the list being Speaker of the House. If you want to talk about domestic matters, that's what they're putting at the top of the headline every day. But really, it's it's unimportant. You don't even need a Speaker of the House. And in fact, I'm really not quite sure why we're selecting from the same pool of individuals. If you really want to change, you'd bring someone from the outside. And I actually think Representative Tim Burchett said something uh, to that effect, but can't have one person working alone. And that's a lot of the problem, it seems, in Congress. Maybe one person, Rand Paul, might try to do something. Tim Burchett might try to do something, but there's no cohesion, as you can see. The good part about this Speaker of the House debacle is you can really start to see who's who. Rhinos, America First. They're coming out of the woodworks, folks, and exposing themselves, uh, at least through this process. I hope everybody has a wonderful night. And we'll see you tomorrow in the Fusion Cell. And as always, whatever you do, don't do nothing. Have a good night, folks. World domination. Same old dream. The universe grows smaller every day. This nation and the God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. It was a great